Welcome to Found Objects with Meaning, a podcast series from Wallpaper Magazine in collaboration with Vodafone Smart Tech, who are creating innovative smart devices that help people stay connected to what matters most in their lives. My name is Jonathan Bell, and I'm Wallpaper Magazine's Transport and Technology Editor. In these podcasts, I'll be talking to six people about their personal and professional attachment to a wide variety of physical objects. We'll be discussing the stuff that surrounds them, the things that define them, and the objects that have inspired them, focusing on something they still treasure, as well as the precious possession they've lost along the way. Whether it's transformative technologies, favourite tools or inspirational artworks, Found Objects of Meaning is all about the creative and emotional force of the objects that we have and the things that we've lost. My guest today is the Swiss-born designer Yves Bahar. At the age of 22, Eve moved to California to carry on his design studies at the Art Centre College of Design in Pasadena. He founded his studio, Fuse Project, in San Francisco in 1999. Over the past two decades, Fuse Project has been at the cutting edge of multidisciplinary industrial design, working at the intersection of both product and service and hardware and software. In that time, the studio has worked on everything from shaping startups to creating whole new sectors. Bihar and his team were an instrumental part of the One Laptop Per Child Association and have worked closely with brands like Samsung, Vodafone, Hive, Isimiyaki, Herman Miller and many more. The studio places a special emphasis on shaping the experience of technology, using design to inform and guide key issues like sustainability, health, security and ageing. Along the way, they've tackled robotics, environmental design, apps and traditional industrial design. Eve, welcome to a podcast. Thank you for having me. So we're here today to talk about objects and their meanings. And as an industrial designer, you're directly involved in the creation of the physical things that surround us. So I thought we could start off by um, asking you about your own relationship with material goods. Do you collect things, for example? Uh, yes, I do. I have, um, I have a few things around me here that I collected. Um, <clears throat> I, think, I think as a designer, it's, um, it's hard not to collect things. It's not, not, it's, it's hard not to see inspiration in all kinds of different art and design and, uh, traditional objects. So, um, you know, they, they create thought for me, they create ideas. And so I get, uh, I get attached to them because, um, not because it's an object, but really because it, um, it, it becomes part of your thinking. Do you, do you have collections which are sort of specific to projects or is there sort of an overarching set of objects that you sort of accumulate to inspire you? I don't have too many sort of objects per se, but I um, I like to collect uh, drawings and sketches and mock-ups, for example. Um, I actually just put... Um, um, a display um, right next to my desk as I'm talking to you um, with a Raymond Lowy sketch with uh, a couple of um, pictures of prototypes from, um, from the Charles Eames um, collection um, of chairs, which, which always you know, reminds me about how many prototypes you have to make, how many things you have to build before it's right. Um, I also have some sketches from Sid Mead. I'm a big... Um, okay. Yeah. fan of science fiction um, and uh, I, I've always loved his drawings and um, I, was, I was able to get a couple. So I, um, I like to collect the process of design um, rather than just the finished object. Does that, do those objects, those sort of transi- transitionary objects hold more of a magic to you than the actual final finished thing? 
Well, I think the magic is in the journey. The magic is in the making part. Um, and, you know, very similar to, um, to, to my book, the, the one that um, is called Designing Ideas and is coming out in July. Um, I think celebrating the process is uh, just as uh, just as important or even more important um, because, you know, just even from a, you know, that's when the magical moments happen. This is when you went from an idea in your brain to a sketch on the, uh, a sketch in your notebook to eventually, uh, eventually the, um, you know, the, the, the finished product. But I think the finished product is, is more like the marketing end of, you know, the design process um, whereas the journey uh, is much more humble, much more um, revealing in a way of, um, you know, the sort of everyday struggle and the everyday ideas that, um, that you come up with. We've always, um, again, you know, what interests me with industrial design is that up until relatively recently, you had objects would just appear in their kind of final finished form. And this process that you're talking about would be, would be cons- concealed and hidden and not really spoken about whereas in other kind of forms of visual art with architecture you would have the model and sculpture you'd have the maquette and painters would sort of do sketches and plan things out whereas industrial design was always presented as a sort of fait accompli if you like Mm -hmm. Um, yeah that's true i mean that uh, i think that is true in a traditional way um i think a lot of um industrial design books and exhibits um, tend to sort of write of the, um, the, the, the final object as if it had sort of appeared out of thin air. Um, but it takes, you know, two to five, something, 10 years um, for, for the right object, for the right uh, set of experiments to mature into, into, into an industrial design, into something you can use, something you can sit on, uh, for example. And so... You know, it's true that industrial design traditionally has been much more about the finished, the 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 perfect finished version of what you know has likely been you know years of research and trial and error yeah. and um, you know engineering and manufacturing and um, so so you know I think I think it's um, it's good that we're. <clears throat> that we're able to celebrate um, the really the the journey and the process of getting there, rather than just um, just a final product. It's also interesting. I think there's been a few examples in your work and others as well, where you've you've seen an array of sort of iPhone prototypes, for example, and just sort of crude things hacked out of foam, and then they become more and more refined as the process goes on and how those objects have a sort of totemic value value in themselves or have a sort of they they become something more than a phone they become a sculpture or they become something that you could almost imagine displaying and, and appreciating for its artistic qualities <clears throat> yeah i think i think we look at you know we look at a, a product uh we look at a solution from many different angles you know, one of them is sort of functional and experiential, for example, but one of them is also uh, very tactile, very ergonomic, um, and the prototypes are very helpful in there. How does it feel in the hand? How does it fit on the body? Um, how does it how does it feel when you sit on it? Um, and and then finally the um, the sort of visual expression. What does what does this object say? What does it express? How does it fit within? 
um, the sort of everyday contemporary culture that we're in? Um, how does it comment on it? Um, how, do, how does it extend the original idea of, of, um, of the design? And I think this is, this is all the parts of that I think make a good design successful, um, but they tend to be uh, invisible um, at the end. They tend to be uh, not something that the user uh, thinks about. Um, they, they have the final result um, in their hand or in their pocket. Um, and so the process I have found that actually visitors to museum exhibits or, or readers of books um, really love to hear about the behind the scenes uh, part of the story. Um, they really like to hear about the doubts and the ideas and the convictions and the failures and the successes that eventually led to, to the final idea. Um, and I think it's, it's, it's a commentary on the fact that design is a much more participatory um, practice today than it ever was before. Um, we are all commenting on designs. We all have opinions. Um, there's many different types of reviews from out of box to, um, to even kids reviewing products today. Yeah, exactly. um, and there's a much wider voice into, into what design is about. And in that sense, um, there's also a lot more interest in how you got there. Um, how this object ended up um, being what it is. Um, and I think that's, uh, that's actually really healthy. We need to be more conscious of the things we use, the things we have. And um, that means being uh, aware of everything that went into it. Do you ever think that with a, a prototype, with the, as you're working on a prototype, that actually the, some of the qualities of something being used and the familiarity that you're, you're having with that is perhaps lost in the final object and that you actually have a bit more sort of affection and relationship with with the, the project as it's going through that prototype journey well i think the prototype journey is really um about kind of testing the limits of <clears throat> what's possible both from a perception standpoint you know is this um is this too much is this not enough is it um you know, does it does it does it trigger imagination? Does it trigger ideas? Does it does it support the function? Um, you know, the whether it's the beauty, whether it's ergonomic, um, and and uh, the prototyping stage is where you know really where you are allowing yourself to become familiar with a new concept, and you essentially experiencing what the consumer will go through, which is, you know, after a week or two. Um, you develop an affinity, you develop an attachment, you develop um, uh, a curiosity towards towards this object. Initially, I think we're all, um, you know, a little bit surprised by change. So, um, you know, change, something different, something unique, always creates a bit of a uh, rejection reaction by, by everyone. It doesn't matter who you are. I couldn't think of designing without the, first of all, the rapidity and intuitiveness of sketching, but then the um, enjoyment and the actual real experience of a prototype, even if it's made of uh, cardboard or foam, um, mm. it, um, it's, it, it just has, it, it becomes one step closer uh, to reality, even though those steps may be a hundred or a thousand of them before, yeah. before this object is made. So I, I, it seems it seems building in a bit of um, 
more value to familiarity seems like a worthy thing for an industrial designer to do. When you don't have an emotional connection towards it, um, it tends to be something that you will discard, that you will, you know, get rid of eventually. And I and and we know what you know how big of a problem that is. Um, and so, um, you know, when I'm <clears throat> when I'm at you know people's houses and I visit them and they have a you know twelve year old jam box, um, you know, sitting there and still functioning with um, with the latest uh, updates. Um, you know, it's, it's still delivering delight after all these yeah. years and, um, and they haven't felt like they needed to switch it, um, so often. So I'm, I'm, um, I'm quite fond of companies that, you know, really have a long-term commitment towards their products. Yeah. You know, for example, right now I'm sitting on a Herman, on a Herman Miller chair, the sale chair that we designed, you know, 10 plus years ago, and, um, it's still on warranty. You know, the, the Herman okay. Miller offers a 12-year warranty on their office chairs. And I think, um, I think every company should, um, should make a long-term commitment to their product. Yeah, that's good to hear. Is there, is there any, um, any technology that you've lost or well, that's gone now and that, that you actually feel a real hole in your heart now that it's gone, whether it's a, become obsolete or just simply ceased to work? Um, I, I do think there are some technologies that remain sort of deeply relevant and, and um, you know, and that we enjoy over time. I mean, there's something about dial-up modems that kind of put a little bit of a brakes on our um, perpetual consumption of uh, technology and information. <laughs> so, so, you know, uh, slowing things down is, yeah. is a good thing. And it seems like as human beings, um, we're incapable of uh, putting those limits, um, mm -hmm. or at least it's very, very challenging for most of us. I remember as a child, I used to have one of these coiling Panasonic radios. Um, you had to sort of uncoil them in order yeah, to... Yeah, with the speaker <clears throat> on the end, yeah. The, yeah, and, and, and it was, you know, it was, I was like... This is this was an important moment in my life because all the other radios were rectangular and square, and this one was you know bright red. And I remember my aunt you know giving it to me, um, and uh, when I was um, maybe eleven or twelve years old, and just having your own radio, being able to tune in to whatever it is that you want to tune into, um, you know that was um, that was a bit of a miraculous moment that I'll always remember. So so. I, you know, I think as a designer, you can create that today. You can create that for people today. And, I, and in a way, that's what kind of puts a smile on my face uh, in this practice um, is when I imagine somebody using a certain type of product for the first time, and maybe they'll remember it you know, 20, 30, 40 years from now, they'll remember that moment. Um, and so we, you know, we can, we can approach this job in a way that um, has a bit of uh, poetry and uh, has a bit of uh, love inserted in it, um, yeah. you know, um, uh, celebrating the moment and celebrating the, the, the moment of discovery. With more of us looking for alternative and sustainable ways to get around, many have turned to cycling. Now you can stay safer and feel confident on the roads with Curve Bike Light and GPS Tracker. The latest device from the designed and connected by Vodafone SmartTech range. Featuring an intelligent brake light, GPS tracking, impact detection and help alerts. 
for smarter safety on and off your bike. Search Vodafone Smart Tech. Subscription required and terms apply. I wonder if we're a bit too self-conscious about those moments though as well because it, they happen much quicker today and as we're talking about things speeding up and you would have had your Panasonic radio and I remember very clearly my kind of first sort of tape player stereo tape player which I would have had for 10 or 15 years and you would have had your radio for many years as well whereas today you will have something for a much shorter window of time before it gets moved on or gets upgraded or it becomes obsolete and maybe you have to be much more self-conscious in instilling that emotional moment in something. Um, and yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I mean, there's an acceleration, obviously technology is evolving much faster um, than it ever was before, um, you know, for good and bad. And, um, but I still feel that people have, um, have those moments, have those yeah. moments of um, nostalgia, you know, in the present, I would say, you know, the, the, the first time they saw something or the first time they understood something uh, in an object or in a function or that the first time they maybe invented um, their own way to experience that um, and felt um, and felt um, sort of a new a new level of understanding and creativity through that. I think it still happens. Um, and I, I still think that that's what a lot of us pursue as, um, you know, in our everyday practice of design. Yeah. I wonder if there's a word for that, nostalgia in the present. If it <laughs> describes that feeling of instant nostalgia, maybe it's like sort of deja vu where you sort of think, actually, have I seen this before or why do I feel so? I'm sure that word exists in German. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they yes. tend to have a much wider vocabulary for... It, yeah. or, um, for for moments of realization, <laughs> if we, it doesn't exist. We could probably comment it on the spot if, we, if I spoke German. But I, yeah. I'm I'm wondering also. You know, we talk about there are some things that you've lost, obviously, and perhaps that radio is yeah. a, a sort of uh, something that you no longer have, but you hold on to as a moment of realization. Is there anything that you you've got now that you really want to cling on to in the future? Well, actually, I do want to talk about something that I lost. Um, it was um, many years ago, I had a reversible uh, Isemiyake jacket. And it was like, um, it was like a, on one side, it was this sort of black cotton jacket. So it had a bit of a formal thing and I could, um, I could, I could go to an opening feeling I was, you know, somewhat dressed while, you know, maybe I hadn't changed any of the other clothes I had on, but I just had this black jacket I could kind of throw on. Um, but but as you reversed it, it had this sort of dark green, kind of like British racing, racing green uh, vinyl uh, uh, coating on it. And so on the other side, it was a, just this very cool jacket you could wear in the rain that was sort of weatherproof. So I, I love that transforming jacket. I don't know where or when I lost it, but I think of it once in a while because it really simplified my travel uh, outfit my my uh, and um, and it really so also gave me that flexibility I could um, transform myself somewhat for um, you know for the for the night for the event you never tried to track another one down 
I should, I should, but it, it, it was such a unique model. I had never seen it before uh, or since, but um, I should actually, that's a good idea. I actually work with the same yake, so um, I could, I could send <laughs> them a note. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't know, I mean, often I'm, I'm finding with people who've, who've lost something like that, it's just the, the act of it going and vanishing from their lives is what made it more important. And now they look back on it with a certain fondness and maybe regret, but if you were to give it back to them there and then, it might not necessarily have the power that it does in the mind. So I suppose there's a, there's a functional value to these things, and it would be nice to have, have that reversible jacket again, but just to think about it, it probably isn't as great as you remembered it. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. It's a good, um, it's an interesting idea. I'm not, um, I'm not certain. I do think I would pick it up again. Maybe I wouldn't wear it as much, but um, especially since... I, you know, we've been traveling a lot less for um, for uh, business these days. You sort of open your closet and you look in there and you're like, what are all of these things for? <laughs> um, yeah. I think it, this happens to all of us. So, um, but I, I like I like objects that allow you to have uh, to simplify your life somewhat that um, kind of remove a little bit of um friction or remove uh, a level of um, uh, an additional thought that's not needed. Like, you know, well, is it going to rain or not? Or am I going to be able to, you know, go have fun with my friends, you know, after after doing this more formal event, for example. And, and, um, and there are some objects that allow you to go through these transitions in life uh, in a much sort of easier and practical way. Um, and so I think I try to put some of that in a lot of a lot of my work, uh, meaning um, allowing objects to kind of flow a bit better, you know, within all the different things we try to do, all the sort of uh, idiosyncrasies and complexities of modern life. It's back to the jacket again when it's got two different functions. You're trying to combine exactly combine things together and make them make something do more jobs than you thought it could do. Exactly. Yeah. Well, that's 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 always been the sort of goal of most technologies: to la- labor saving and convenience and all those things, benefits that they're supposed to bring us. But we've sort of, I guess, technolo- got to a technological impasse in a way with a certain amount of things, where the complexity is so much, and that we're now looking to simplify the technology rather than the technology being yeah. the thing that simplifies itself. It is certainly one of my mentors. I feel that um, sort of all purpose technology that's focused and dedicated to the comfortable middle part of life, um, you know, is is not as interesting to me today as actually applying technology to um, to moments in our lives when we need it the most, when we're uh, old, when we're uh, sick and have a health issue, when we need to learn better when we need um, when we're when we're young and we're, or when we're parents there's all these moments where technology can come in and it's actually much simpler technology than you think you know than 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 some kind of um, gadget that's supposed to do everything in your life like the, like those phones we um, we we have in our pockets all the time um, it really delivers um, a service in a way, I, you know, uh, in a way that is uninterruptive and uh, that is very helpful. And that's what I'm looking for is 
Um, how do you apply technology to those, to those needs that we have um, at those very important times of our lives? Um, so that's, that's um, I think there is, that's, that's a way to rehabilitate technology in a way as well. Um, that's the way to bring, um, to bring you know, technology to people who need it the most at a time in their lives and when they need it the most. Rather than have one sort of one size fits all, you mean having a, a more tailored solution and people being more aware of what they'll need for that particular moment? Yes, exactly. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think um, you know, I think general purpose technology doesn't work very well for the aging, for example. Um, it doesn't work, you know, it, it doesn't really address a specific need in a specific uh, fashion. And I think whether you look at the needs of children, the needs of the aging, the needs of um, uh, people who are uh, sick or have certain conditions, um, you know, they need something different. It's actually simpler technology, but it's highly targeted, highly focused technology um, uh, specifically on that need. And this is when people get to to love and appreciate what technology can do for them um, rather than be a bit resentful about how much distraction and how much interruption it creates in their lives. So I don't know if this would apply necessarily to technology or any other object, but is there something that you have right now which you think, actually, I can, this, this can grow with me. This is a piece of, this is an object which will still be valid and relevant to me when I'm 70. Well, I don't know that, um, you know, that object that I, that I'm, that I, that I'm afraid of losing, um, isn't so much a technology. It's actually some of my notebooks, um, some of my sketchbooks, some of my, um, I have a couple of books in which I write ideas, um, very small, so I can, they're very small and, uh, from a size standpoint, so I can carry them everywhere. And then I have, um, just only very slightly bigger, uh, sketchbooks that, um, that are important. That's, um, where, you know, where, where I keep, you know, some of my, some of my early, um, drawings for, you know, for projects. Um, but I, you know, it's, it's, it's certainly something that if you, if I, if I lost one and I, I, you know, touch wood, I haven't lost one to date. Um, it would feel like irreplaceable. It would feel like I, I wouldn't be able to, um, the hundreds or thousands of little small writings and doodles in there, um, I wouldn't be able to um, to uh, yeah. recreate that or buy that again. How much do you feel, well, I, I mean, I guess all writers and creative people are the same, how much do you feel that once you've got an idea and written it down, whether it's physically or on a computer or a voice note or something, that's essentially banked that idea. And that now you can, like relax and then go back and revisit it at your leisure is that is it a sort of an essential part of the creative process getting it down into a notebook for you it is absolutely essential um whether you know whether you have good ideas or bad ideas uh getting getting them down on paper allows you to move forward to the next one um and i i believe the brain you know especially when you're working on a project needs to um, needs to sort of see it on paper uh, in order to move on to the next thing and, um, and, or in order to you know, think that it's good enough to be refined to, to, to another stage. Um, but I, sometimes I, 
I, um, you know, I, I, I talk about it in, uh, in terms of taking out the trash, um, because uh -huh. yeah. some of what's in your brain isn't particularly useful or particularly good, but it's, it's, um, it's sticky. It stays there. Um, it all has to come out somehow. <laughs> so it has to come out once, but yeah. once it's out, once you've put it on paper, once you've drawn it or written it, written it, you're like, okay, well, it, it sometimes triggers a better idea or the next, you know, the next idea and certainly creates space, um, for, um, for, for, for new things to come up. I was reading something just the other day about how writing, physically writing things down is much better for the brain and for memory than typing them down in the voice, in a, in a app or something like that, because actually the act of putting the words, using your brain to write sentences out is somehow more memorable and somehow more creative and, and will help you remember things a little bit better. And that's interesting. It explains a lot. I didn't know about this uh, particularly, you know, from a scientific standpoint, but it makes a lot of sense for me because it seems like all the important discussions that I have in my life, all the kind of moments that I feel are important to capture, um, I tend to write them down rather mm -hmm. than type them into my phone or my laptop. Um, and so there must be an um, uh, unconscious reason why I'm doing that. Um, yeah. um, but I do remember learning as a child and um, the act of writing, writing what you're learning down um, uh, does create a much uh, deeper memory um, of, yes, of, um, of that particular subject or detail um, than, um, than just having it underlined in a book or, or typing it. So, um, yeah, the act of writing used to be, yeah, the act of writing is, is, is yeah. likely, uh, writing or drawing is likely, um, an act of, um, putting it into a memory. Yeah. I do agree the cluttering is, is important. Um, but I don't know that pictures are, such a great solution, especially for me, since I have, I don't know, about 70 or 80,000 pictures on my phone currently. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how to go back and, um, and take, you know, use any of it. I mean, I think we're, it will be really interesting, technologically speaking. I think we're taking probably 100 times more pictures than we have when, uh, when we didn't have, yeah. you know, yeah. uh, a thousand more pictures than we used to. Um, and yet I think it's very likely that a lot less will remain, um, you yes. know, those, oh, those boxes of pictures that your grandparents had of, of their lives. Um, you know, maybe there was a hundred or a thousand pictures in there, but I don't know that, um, that we will have, you know, images to pass on to, mm. to the next, next generation, generation of yeah. our own lives, um, because they're all digital. They're all, yeah. you know, they're all get lost so much more yeah. easily than uh, than an actual physical yeah, uh, print. Yeah, much more transient. Yeah, the, iron, yeah. the bitter irony is the, the children would have take 10,000 photographs a year on their phones, but actually the ones that they end up putting on their wall are the ones they print out with a little Polaroid camera. And they're terrible little pictures, which are only about sort of the size of a postage stamp. But those are the ones that they'll probably end up keeping until yeah, to pass on to their children. It's interesting you mentioned that because I have um, I have young kids. I have a four and a six year old, 
Um, I have a couple of older ones too, but the, the little ones are fascinated by Polaroid cameras. They discovered a vintage one um, in my closet and uh, we've put film in it and they absolutely love like uh, the act of the physical, the physical picture, even though they're not great pictures. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, they, um, they absolutely love the fact that they have something physical after, um, after taking it. Yeah, I, and there's, there's a great sort of example of kind of lost and found right there as Polaroid. Is it something which clearly was lost for many years and we thought this is ridiculous we don't need this technology anymore it's absolutely superfluous but it's finding its way back amongst young people who value the power of photographs and the power of the moment and the power of actually having something physical to show for it rather than just an image on a screen absolutely um i think it's um i think it's 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 a phenomenon that we see across uh, many different, um, many different um, uh, types of objects or things that we used to use. Uh, Super 8 cameras, for example, vinyl records. Yeah. Um, there's, um, uh, there's a lot of interest. There's a lot of passion. Um, there's, a, there's a textural element. There is a physical element to, those, um, to, that, to that medium that um, I would say make it, make it better almost than you know, a higher resolution device. Um, it's, um, there's a, there's a, there's an imperfection, there is a wabi-sabi in it that, um, mm. that is sometimes missing out of, um, out of the, you know, perfect retouched, uh, picture that we see so much of in, uh, social media. Yes. Yeah. And I think it, vinyl records are an interesting case in point because they've come back in such a big way. And my daughter, who's 13, will buy records in charity shops now and, and listen to them on a little old record player and it's extraordinary really that that's it's come around to that and that they can attach so much sort of meaning to that when they, they've literally got an alexa sitting there that's got 150,000 songs <laughs> just to summon up but actually they'd rather take a record out and put it on and listen to that so. yeah absolutely eve Barr, thank you very much indeed for talking to us Oh, thank you, Jonathan. Um, you know, I love talking about uh, elements of design that um, that are you know that are I think that everybody can relate to, which are you know the objects we lose, the objects we cherish, the things we um, you know we want to keep around us, and I think it gives um, it gives design you know much more than just a sort of professional practice uh, focus. It's uh, really a human focus. So thank you, Baha, Thank you very much. Thank you for joining us. If you've enjoyed this episode of Found Objects of Meaning, please subscribe, leave a review, and be sure to share it with your friends. I'd like to thank our guest and also our collaborators, Vodafone Smart Tech, who are creating innovative smart devices to help people stay connected to what matters most in their lives. Search for Vodafone Smart Tech to discover more. Wallpaper Magazine is the global authority on all things about contemporary design and new creativity. To find out more about us, head to wallpaper.com. Until next time, goodbye.